There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 102 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of February 16th, 2008. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along in my excellent adventures to the world of short Masonic educational papers. As always, this and all other papers are available at the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com, and I encourage you to swing by and check it out. Well, it's been a busy last couple weeks here at the World Headquarters of the Digital Freemason, here in the basement studios right next to the Deep Freeze. I've been getting a lot of emails and a lot of correspondence with uh, old brothers and new brothers that uh, have either just stumbled onto the podcast or have actually been listening to a while and just felt the time to uh, take a look and see what's going on. I have to say I'm quite impressed that the Facebook group, The Digital Freemason, has uh, rolled well over 1,100 people, which is... Uh, a little bit humbling to see the, all the people that are on there, and not to mention the, all the uh, good activity that's going on and correspondence that's happening. So if you are on Facebook, by all means, swing by and check that out. As well as I've managed to take on a role as uh, the Registrar and Historian of the Lodge I'm visiting at, Bow River Lodge, and it's a little bit daunting because... Uh, being the oldest lodge in Alberta, there's a lot of information that we need to go through. We just celebrated our 125th year with the installation of our new officers back at the end of January. And so this year, what I want to do as part of our Masonic education is take a look at what was happening throughout the last 125 years in society and how it was reflected in the thoughts and what was going on within the lodge at the time. So to give a bit of an understanding as to what's going on. And that sort of ties in nicely with today's topic, which comes to us from uh, Brother Charles Donaldson, as he talks about the past and some of the words and principles that uh, were were thought of many, many years ago and how applicable they are in today's society. And he talks a lot about what it is that actually it's all about. And I think that they are quite relevant, and so does he. So let's get going right now with... Masonic Principles Revisited Are the principles on which Freemasonry is founded still relevant today, and more importantly, are they relevant in the future? First, let us establish what Freemasonry is, and what better way to do that than to take the accepted definition of it being a system of morality, veiled in allegory, and illustrated by symbols. It is a movement whose members are joined together in an association based on brotherly love, relief, and truth. And these principal tenets of Freemasonry, derived from these tenets, are the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and they're all supported by the three great pillars of wisdom, strength, and beauty. There are many other principles and virtues, but it would be of no advantage to examine them at this time, as they're derived from the four sets of these three. Every Mason is familiar with these words, but unfortunately, familiarity often means that definitions are forgotten. These words were probably penned in the early 18th century and are more likely taken from much earlier sources. Since then, time has moved on, and English, being a dynamic and living language, new words are being added and knowledge, as knowledge increases, while older and redundant words are dropped, and again, other words change meanings, sometimes radically and sometimes by lesser degrees. 
having the words used in the description of Freemasonry altered in their meaning? Are they still relevant today, and more importantly, relevant for tomorrow? Have the concepts behind them changed? To answer these questions, it is necessary to examine the meanings of these words. Consider the first set of three words in the definition, which are morality, veiled in allegory, and illustrated by symbols. With regards to morality, it can be seen that all societies have a view of what is the correct way of life for both individuals and the society, thus distinguishing between right and wrong. The first moral law was evolved from the, for the protection of the community. In the course of evolution, it became systemic and codified on the basis of custom, for example, the Ten Commandments. The object of the code was to secure coherence in the group so that the members would act effectively. Morality needs a strong arm of the law, say in the form of the police and judiciary, to make itself effective, and the codes were enforced with a relentless severity, bolstered by taboos and religious sanctions. External authorities also strengthened the non-legal virtues such as chastity, truthfulness, kindness, benevolence, and so on. Morality continues to evolve, and each generation must solve its own moral problems in its own way. The circumstances of the modern world would have brought new moral dilemmas in such areas as euthanasia, abortion, birth control, medicine, human rights, the role of women, and divorce. With regard to the individuals, there is admitted to be such a power in the mind as consciousness which warns the person when they are doing wrong, and, to a certain extent, a force to make a person do right. Consciousness grows and needs to be trained and nurtured by precepts. Example and experience are often reinforced by religious sanctions, the force of public opinion, social approbation and reprobation, and with systemic punishment before it can be really effective in controlling conduct. For example, a child is trained in the concept of right and wrong by, among other things, punishment, encouragement, reward, examples, criticism, and guidance. There's variations in the consciousness among nations and among individuals in each of these nations. In the West, emphasis appears to be shifting away from social morals to individual morals, resulting in a pick-and-mix morality. The morality of Freemasonry requires Masons to deal justly with others, not to defraud, cheat, or wrong them in their just dues and rights. A Mason, therefore, is particularly bound never to act against the dictates of his conscience. The teaching of morals by allegory is a time-honored technique, still relevant, though members new to the craft may not be familiar with it. Allegory is a story that can be read on two levels. Firstly, is a surface narrative, and secondly, is a deeper level, which is moralistic. It is the embodiment of a train of thought in a visible form by means of image, and thus involves the transferred meaning with a number of correspondence with the real world. For example, the whole of the third degree is allegorical, for behind the story of the central character lies the foundations of the philosophy of Freemasonry. The signs used in Freemasonry are derived from the allegory and are to be used as a method of recognition. The signs and the symbolic instruction are the only secrets of Freemasonry. The symbols used derive from the distant past when the wisdom of the ancient people was largely symbolic. It was in the early 17th century that speculative Masons adopted symbolism. The symbol is an image which hides an inner meaning. The meaning is usually hidden behind a form which most people think can they, they, that they can understand immediately.
the Masonic Lodge itself, is a symbol, and the interior abounds with them. For example, the three lesser lights. Light in Masonry has a symbolic meaning. Light, opposed to darkness, and, and it suggests the opposite, such as right and wrong, amongst many others. Symbols illustrate the principal tenets of Freemasonry. These are relief, truth, and brotherly love, the second group of the four. By tenant is meaning some teaching that is so obviously true that it, can, it is accepted and believed without question. For example, thou shalt not steal, not commit adultery, nor bear false witness. In terms of logic, they are axiomatic. That is, they are to be relied on utterly for use on the basic data for which conclusions are to be derived. Thus, they are self-evident, which means no other evidence can make them more evident or less evident than they already are. The, the certainty of these tenets lies in their being confirmed by experience and their impact on the tenets of those who live and receive them. Tenants are part of the system of morality, and are not of the allegory that veils it, or the symbols that illustrate it. They are a fundamental part of Freemasonry, which cannot be altered without destroying the identity of Freemasonry itself. This is confirmed each year at the installation of officers, which, where the principles of the Grand Lodge are read out and put a check on innovation. Love in itself is a concept that has been and continues to be one of the most potent forces within the traditions of humankind. Love has been described as the most powerful force in the universe, binding all living things together. Love is a multidimensional phenomenon and can be categorized under three headings. Firstly, there is the erotic or the sensual love. Secondly, there is the divine love bestowed upon the recipient through grace. Thirdly, there is the brotherly or friendly love. This is offered in an affection to another human being without thought of personal gain. It means that we place on another person the highest possible value as a friend, companion, associate, and neighbor. There was an old Arab saying which states that man's love for a woman waxes and wanes like the moon, but man's love for his brothers shines eternal like stars in the heaven. Brotherly love is, is an essential element which binds the brethren to each other, as they have pledged themselves to exercise it, and it is one of the greatest duties of a Freemason. On this principle, Masonry unites people in every country, sect, and opinion, and conciliates true friendship. Brotherly love also manifests itself in the second tenet of relief, which is one of the forms of charity. Masonic relief takes for granted that any man may be in temporary need of a helping hand. It can be make many forms, such as alleviating misfortune, soothing calamity, helping to restore peace to a troubled mind, and so on. This is one of the natural and inevitable acts of brotherhood. The third of the principal tenets is truth, by which is a vital requirement of brotherhood and is sure to endure. Truth takes different forms such as conformity of a concept to a fact or reality, and not being false or erroneous. It is also the knowledge of the underlying reality of things. This form of truth is often linked with the concept of goodness, and is regarded as eternal, absolute, and immutable. To be good and true is the first lesson taught in Freemasonry. On this theme, Masons should endeavor to regulate their conduct in order to eliminate hypocrisy and deceit. In Freemasonry, truth is accepted as a foundation of every virtue. 
These three principles, virtues, are faith, hope, and charity, the third group of the four. Faith has variously been defined as belief, trust, devotion, and dependence. It is a universal feature of humankind's response to the presence of the divine in the midst of life. In the words of St. Paul, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is a, the bond of friendship and a support of society. Hope is an orientation towards some future event which will radically transform the present order. What is hoped for depends on the specific understanding of reality as displayed by a particular faith, by an individual, or by society. Hope is a ground for expectation, trust, or confidence. Hope can lead to dissatisfaction with the presence of the order of things and become the basis of liberating and transforming a practice. Charity or brotherly kindness is said to be the chief of all the social virtues and ought to be distinguished in characteristic of every Freemason. Charity is devoted to the promotion of the welfare and happiness of humankind and not for the benefit of the individual. If charity is misapplied, it ceases to be a virtue and becomes a folly. Freemasonry is said to be supported by the three great pillars of wisdom, strength, and beauty, which have the allegorical meanings, and this is the last set of the four. In pursuing knowledge, the aspirant will find that knowledge in itself is insufficient, but if coupled with the understanding, it will produce wisdom. In turn, wisdom gives an inner strength, and these two combined will engender beauty, not the beauty of adornment, but the inner beauty of insight. The fact that knowledge expands through time should be the stimulus to those who pursue it and should give them greater wisdom. Before becoming a Freemason, the candidate must affirm that he believes in the Supreme Being. The Supreme Being takes many forms in various religions. Within our volume of the Sacred Law, we can see the deity being transformed from a vengeful, vengeful personal God of the Old Testament to a universal one of love in the New Testament. The proponents of the spiritual movement known as process theology argue that God evolves along with men and is no longer thought of as an external, unchanged God. Believers who are examining in their ideas of faith, religion, spirituality on the internet, which links computers to virtually any source of information, are rapidly accepting this view. Ideas can resonate and faith can be shaped by a collective spirit which will bind Christian, Jew, Muslim, and Buddhist together. The founding fathers of speculative masonry had thought on similar lines, for it is seen in their lodges that there are various volumes of sacred law. The concept of morality in this sense of right and wrong remains constant. It is with us today and by the allegory present in Freemasonry and can assist us in the living of our moral life in our changing society. The tenets of Freemasonry are still evident and still relevant today, but only if kept alive by every member of the craft and who is living upon them. It is imperative that Freemasons cease paying lip service to these principles and translate them into actions and live by them. Having questioned the relevancy of the principles of Freemasonry in today's world and for the future, I hope that you will agree that not only are they relevant, but they are the essential rock on which to anchor our faith, belief, and conduct in society's changing maelstrom. So I like that, what Brother Charles has to say there. And 
one of the things that I have thrown up on the website of the Digital Freemason is as it talks about what is Freemasonry. And there's one section where it talks about if you've ever considered becoming a Freemason. and talks about uh, it's a place for anyone with good character who believes in supreme being. And talks about many other things, but then it finishes up with, does this sound quaint to the modern ears? Perhaps, but that's all right. We think of, of ourselves more as timeless than of quaint. And again, it always sort of, this time of year, drives home that point when I listen to the ideals of Freemason. And I think about what it is that uh, I think about Freemasonry and what it is it says about that. So until next time, I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. And until the next, I guess, two weeks from now, hopefully, if all things go well, I'll be around with another piece of information. So if you'd like, by all means, drop me a line or come visit me on Facebook. And until then, keep the shiny side up.